This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! From the Embassy Row Studios in the crap part of Soho, <laughs> it's the Men in Blazers podcast, Rog. Oh, I should tell you, everyone listening, Davo's just come in oh. to the pod room, stuck his little head round, and he said, I think I'm going to puke. Yep. I still think I'm going to puke. You do. A bit May of, happen live on the pod. A bit, bit too much psyllium husk. You've been ODing. Yeah. Oh, I don't know what it is. I'm not feeling so good, Rog. You're not. You look but, fantastic. You look like George Hamilton. You got that tan. I must say, I just went in the bathroom. Yeah. To see if I was going to. Yep. Chunder. Mm-hmm. And I did look in the mirror and I thought, you know, you look quite good. <laughs> and that made me feel better. And did the you in the mirror say, who are you talking to? My mom always used to say to me, uh, it's better to look good than to feel good. I think that is true. It's the English way. Yeah. It's the English way. To be candid, the issue of feeling anything is not one that I can actually relate to still. <laughs> because you have no feelings. None. We'll be quite excited about Ronnie. We'll get to that, I'm sure. Oh, we will turn that. It's actually the, the exit of Ronnie's enormous cranium at Everton. Yeah. Which Someone we getting down. an Everton manager getting fired always calls for celebration uh, in the Bennett household. At the same time, it's kind of reinforced the depression part, the five stages of grief, which I'm quite rutted in at the uh-huh. moment. But I had a dream this week, David. Yeah. And I need you to analyse it for me, because only you can probably tell me the true meaning of it. Is this Carl Beckerman scoring the winning goal in Moscow again? Oh, I've not slept well all week. Yeah, me All neither. Week. Me neither. And then last Tuesday night, yeah. I had the most out of nowhere, the most nourishing night's sleep, mostly because I dreamed in perfect detail of the entirety of the Trinidad and Tobago game, kick uh-huh. for kick, misplaced pass for misplaced pass. There are a lot of those. Spiraling chaos. Mm. And then towards the end, with about 10 minutes to go... Was Nagby playing? Nagby was there. It was, okay. a, it was, it was a perfect recreation, shot okay. for shot. Apart from 10 minutes to go... Michael Bradley just calmly played a through ball, nothing mm-hmm. frantic, mm-hmm. and an unknown American player scored. By the name of Roger Bennett. No, no, what's amazing? <laughs> what's amazing? I mean, when he scored... Jonathan Williamson. When he scored, it was no possibly. You know, come to think of it, he did have like tree trunk down below legs. <laughs> but no big deal when they scored. Everything yeah. felt fine. And it's fascinating to me that I knew when I woke up, Michael Bradley got the assist. Mm. But the dream didn't assign a specific goal-scoring hero. Which I think there's a depth to that. But I remember I was watching the game. And when we scored the equaliser, I just sucked in a breath of air, of reassurance. A calmness overtook me. And I just typed into my dream game notes, everything is going to be okay. What do you think this dream means, David? That you still haven't dealt with it, that you have lots of pain, unresolved feelings towards the US exit. You're probably still in denial. Unresolved feelings towards a lot of things. (laughs) You're still in denial and you're deeply hurt. A GFOP, Nestizo Bobby Hill, termed this phantom equaliser syndrome he thinks Ah. I'm suffering from. I'm not sure if he's a clinical psychologist or a doctor, but I treat that melody. Yeah, we would have, we would have taken a phantom equaliser. I had the most amazing night's sleep, and then I had to wake up, obviously, realise it was all a dream, become uh-huh. cloaked in the hello darkness, my old friend of reality, which harshly slapped me. And just that feeling of hard, doom feel, real life refilled my lungs. I did have one laugh this week that I should tell you about to try and cheer you up and, and, and cure your nausea. I was speaking to an American journalist about US soccer mm-hmm. for a Sunil Gulati piece. Mm-hmm. She's one of those sports fans, but not really a soccer fan. Yeah. Which I think many of them still don't know about the US soccer's debacle, which is going to be humiliating down the line when they, America does wake up to the fact it's not qualified. Yeah. And at the end of the interview, she said, Oh, anyway, US soccer's failure doesn't really bother me because I'm a quarter Dutch. I'm going to be supporting the Netherlands team anyway. Didn't have the heart to tell her, David. Yeah. <laughs> the Netherlands <laughs> aren't there either. Oh, let's cheer ourselves up with some big MIB news. Yeah. Because we pretend we're men of action. Mm-hmm. As I said last week, we're really men of token gestures. So in an effort to try and shake myself out of this perpetual state of sad nap, what are we going to do, David? We're going to do a show. Yeah, we're taking action, Rog. This is not action. a token gesture. Thursday, November 9th, there's going to be a Men in Blazers emergency. Emergency, emergency, emergency live show. 
to discuss WTF happened. In right, TNT. Rog? WTF in TNT. We're going yeah. to unpack it. It's going to be part Irish week. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a Guinness fueled forensic accounting of what happened in the past. But more yeah. importantly, when we process the darkest night in TNT and what led up to it, we're going to ask ourselves, what should we be doing to build a more robust future through lessons learned? Mm. And we're going to do it at a live show yeah. in New York City yeah. at the Gramercy Theatre, produced by great GFOP legend John Johnson. Yeah. At which, who's coming, David? Alexi Lalas is going to fly oh, in. Oh, my goodness. Hercules Gomez is going to helicopter in. Yeah. And please, God, MLS playoffs permitting. TT. Yeah. Taylor Twarman. These are the, it's like assembling US soccer's three tenors, David. Placido, Domingo, Luciani, Pavarotti, and what's his name? Yeah, the other one. Yeah, we're going to get them to talk US soccer. Yep. It's going to be like a great Irish week. Thursday, November 9th, that's when the live show is. Subscribers to our newsletter, The Raven, will get the first chance at tickets. We're going to send them a link for the pre-sale this Friday, October 27th <sighs> at 10 a.m. If The Raven isn't in your inbox, bang on at 10 o'clock. Please allow a few minutes for flying time. Rest assured, it will be coming. You can subscribe to our newsletter, which we produce with our partner, Guinness, via menandblazers.com. Remaining tickets will be sold to non-Raven subscribers beginning Saturday. Stay tuned to our social for all of this information. This is going to be a night for the ages, Rog. It is. I can't wait, David. Honestly, just to be with the GFOP audience and get that that kind of hug that I think we all need. It's going to be like the last waltz, the band, Dylan, Neil Young, and us balls just up there. Until then, I'm trying to be productive. I threw myself into the Men in Blazers book this week, trying to follow the life advice of great Japanese author Haruki Murakami, Mm. who once said, the good thing about writing books is that you can dream while you're awake. I like that approach to life. Thanks to all of you who have been sending in fake covers and suggestions for the name of this book. I Mm. actually like the idea of Davo and me writing a book called Puffin Breeder today. (laughs) David wants to write a book called How the U.S. Can Win the 2006 World Cup. <laughs> At G. Randall J. tweeted us the best name thus far. He said, you should have a variation on Eat, Pray, Love. Your book should be called Eat Pies, Pray for Guzan, and Love, America's Sport of the Future. Mm. Oh, but we've got our contest. We're calling on GFOPs to submit. Submit. To our Men in Blazers book cover <laughs> contest. You already have, Roger, years ago. Design. <laughs> A cover. Tell us what we should write about in our bookity book, 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 and email it to us at meninblazers at gmail.com or via social using the hashtag, hashtag MIB book cover. We'll make a custom video for our favorite one. Oh, prize or punishment, that is debatable. More big news. We keep breaking news on this podcast. Beep, 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 in Men in Blazers world, beep, beep, beep. Yeah. we finally, finally got some men in blazers merch you're kidding me you i am think? actually wearing a men in blazers potential sweatshirt design i'm not sure that this has been improved by a board whenever yet, it's got a huge raven on it whenever yeah. david's about to puke he only pukes in the finest mib garb we got suboptimal shirts we've got panic room shirts uh, i mean it, gfop ian hutchison who's designed mm. everything the panic room is really amazing the suboptimal t-shirt is properly terrifying the process of merch was you asked for it we didn't listen for a long time. <laughs> we <laughs> you, faffed around quite a lot. <laughs> you asked again. We changed our mind. We decided, no. Yeah. And then we finally, finally got round to it. Uh, the, the one I really love is the periodic table of blazers, which Ian Hutchison just poured his heart and soul into. I think it's Smithsonian worthy. To be fair, Rog, the reason it's taken us so long to do this yes. is because we do have an aesthetic it may be a crap aesthetic, but it is an aesthetic that we want our product to look like. And we struggled for a while. You can slap the Men in Blazers logo on anything. And I think a lot of merch in the world of sports is a bit like that. We wanted to have it be just us. We wanted it to feel like It's hard to make something brand. perfectly suboptimal. Yeah, exactly. It's so we, really, really yeah, hard. A lot of it was just too good. We're yeah. like, no, it's too good, too professional It'll looking. It'll do too well. Yeah, Too exactly. many people will like it. And I say, this merch... All of it's to make up the shortfall created by Amazon just closing down their emporium. Time's hard for Jeff yeah. Bezos. Yeah. And we understand that his empire is crumbling brick by brick. But to prop up this Not little <laughs> this little beach shack yeah. that is Men in Blazers, mm. your support of these garments keeps us going and will yeah. please God allow us to continue to pump out more unadulterated yeah. sheer crap yeah. as a sport of football continues to grow mm. in this country, despite U.S. men's soccer's best attempts to stymie it. So come often, 
to yeah. our merch page on yeah. meninblazers.com. We have a link at the top. You can get to it. Really? Via. It says merch. Wow. It says merch. Wow. We've, had, we've had it up for years, but it's always been <laughs> sold out because we've never got around to put There's now stuff on it and your support, it keeps the lights on. Yeah. And it keeps the pies cooking. So if you've got any design ideas, sketches, phrases, suggestions, or demands for merch you want us to try and create, like the Men in Blazers toupee or whatever uh-huh. you want us to release, if you want us to come out with a special psyllium husk T-shirt... Don't say that word to me right now. <laughs> <laughs> your ideas. J-Dubs goes to me, he goes, we should do a T-shirt that says, I like snacks. <laughs> That's really good. Oh, the whole uh, selection of casts. Yeah, uh, we work really hard on this merch. All kidding aside, lovely fabrics, high-quality schmatter. schmatter. And GFOPs, your feedback means the world to us, as does your support. You're the best. We're the worst. Which brings us to the bad news. The Men in Blazers TV show, Rog, is back next Monday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern after another huge must-watch Premier League game. Yes, that's right. Burnley (laughs) against Newcastle. But we got a very special guest, (laughs) religious cult leader, Mike Tirico, the high priest of Tiricoism, <gasps> the world's fastest growing religion. He's going to be joining us in the panic room. Oh, Speaking going to finish guests, off his career. Rog, Great. you've got Welcome, a pod special coming out with 11-year-old chess-obsessed Roger's hero. Oh, so when you were 11 he, and you were obsessed with chess. Oh, yeah, big time. It was going to be my future. Uh, your hero was Gary Kasparov. Two R's. Wow. Rog, first Molly Ringwald, now Gary Kasparov. Only Ad-Rock and Matthew Broderick to go and your adolescent Mount Rushmore will be complete. Yeah, if you're throwing Hervé Villachez, tattoo yeah. from Fantasy Island. Yeah. Love you, mate. And boy George. And we're getting close, David. Yeah. We're getting very, very close. South East London's boy George. Matthew Broderick it. too, probably, mate. Not from South East London. Okay, Rog, we've got a pack show. We're going to oh. wonder who stopped sticking pins into the Tottenham <laughs> Wembley voodoo doll as Spurs bash Liverpool Tim 4-1 Sherwood. at home. They should have played for a draw, Rog. We put on a Rog-curated mixtape that is just fast car 13 times in a row as we wave goodbye to old big head Ronnie Koeman <laughs> after Arsenal's dismantling of Everton. And we completely ignore David Wagner's heavy German accent while celebrating the first American <laughs> manager to beat Manchester, could not be less American, to beat Manchester United in the Premier League plus MLS decision day and the USA falls to England at the Baby World Cup Baby World Cup another moment of great darkness we're good at baby football we're good at baby football Rog play the babies we're so good at baby football okay to the football Rog oh and I'm pouring Dave a special can Mm. of 200th anniversary Guinness Stout oh it's older than Brad Friedel even oh Mm. I'm going to raise this pint and say dark days, Davey, as US baby Nats fans, <laughs> Columbus crew, Liverpool, Everton, Manchester United fans will attest. Oh, Columbus fans, your crew. They are to us as Columbus, as Schmidt's house of sausage. I, I do. I, I ate for every one of you, especially the great Frankie Hager and GFOP Savannah B, that one. And as an Everton fan, I just say, I understand your pain, and I'm not generally a big Nietzsche fan, but I'm going to raise this Guinness and quote him because his words feel apt for so many reasons right now, and they are, if thou gaze long into an abyss, the abyss will also gaze into thee. Raising the Guinness to you in Columbus, Ohio, and saying courage. Feel horribly for those fans in Columbus, and yet that was the darkest quote you've ever made on Men of Blazers, Rog, which is saying something. Cheer um, them up. Yeah, okay. Spurs <laughs> four, Liverpool one, two sides coming into the game, buoyed by impressive midweek Champions League results. Rampant Spurs earning a draw at Real Madrid. Oh, amazing game. And Liverpool making Slovenian giants Maribor scream uncle in a 7-0 away win. But this game was all one-sided, Rog. The holy trinity of handshakers, Delhi, Sun and Harry Kane, all on the score sheet as Spurs thump a Liverpool side that had to withdraw centre-back Dejan Lovren after 31 minutes for tactical reasons, i.e. he was just a bit too crap. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Dave, what a clash. Two of the most aspirational clubs in the Premier League and the difference on the day. One team was set up to punish mistakes ruthlessly. The other, Liverpool, I'm talking about you, was sent out to meet them. Early and often. In the fourth minute, oh, 
the unplayable Harry Kane just oh, dismantled. This, this new kid, I think he's going to be quite good. Watch him. He's I one think for the could future. Be good. God, he, he just dismantled the Liverpool back four yep. as if it was one of those huge, big breakaway banners NFL teams run through when they enter the field to play. He made it look easy. Terrific touch, incredible balance. It's 37th goal in all comps in 2017. But God, Liverpool, Gomez, Matip, Lovren, Mignolet, all stumbling, sliding, whiffing. Essentially, it was like watching Liverpool's back four play all their greatest hits at the same time. I mean, Liverpool, this city that gave the world the fab four, Liverpool's back four, fab in a more avant-garde, surreal fashion. But arguably, as long as you're not a Liverpool fan, they're just as entertaining. They could not have been funnier in this game, Davo, if they were skateless, on ice, filled with banana skins, accompanied by honking horns and occasional fart noises. Yeah, lots of criticism uh, on last week's pod amongst all media, uh, Rod, as well as us, Man United, going to Liverpool, playing for a draw. You know, seen as being, oh, so oh, really disappointing, anti-football, why Mourinho do that? He can't possibly win the league if he, if he plays like that and goes for that. The reasons why teams in the Premier League against good teams go and play for a draw is because the fear of this happening. Jurgen Klopp seems to have no fear of going and doing this. You don't see many big teams taken apart this this completely comprehensively yeah. by just going for it yeah, by on just the going road. For it. Going for it. Not, this wasn't just ineptitude. They just went for it on the road. <sighs> and they didn't learn. Because eight minutes later, it was two flowing full length of the field moves started by Lloris, chucked the ball at Kane, setting him up to go again at kick me post it wearing Dejan Lovren, who obligingly did what it says on the can, jumped under the ball, setting Kane up for a free run at goal for him to just pass De Bruyne style. Two son for the equivalent of a rim-rattling dunk. Lovren, oh, he's so bad. Chevy Chase talk show bad. Ty Detmer seven picks bad. I watch a lot of under-eight football, thanks to my youngest. Yeah. And I can definitely confirm. England are good at that too. <laughs> but Liverpool's backline, they commit the kind of routine defensive mishaps I see week in, week out in the New York City, Westchester, under-eight gold league. Yeah. I mean, Klopp said himself, I could have played better if I'd stumbled onto the field in my sneakers. My sneakers. My sneakers. But watching him on the sideline, Dave, out stranger things, stranger things, while struggling to maintain his cool. I love this description from our GFOP at abird82, who says, Jurgen Klopp always looks like the cool dad in every film adaptation of a young adult novel. That's very funny. He is. He's Peter Gallagher, German Peter Gallagher in the OC. But but they make all the defensive errors for us. They, they don't hold their shape. They... They go in for reckless tackles. They go into challenge to try and steal the ball and, and give it up. They miss the ball. They go into, you say Dejan Lovren went under the ball. He also went over the ball a few times as well. It's like they make every single mistake there is to make. They don't mark properly at corners. They don't mark from set pieces. They don't pick up. I mean, Harry Kane, he's quite good. Note to everyone in the Premier League, he's quite good. You don't really want to give him that much space. You might want to mark him when he's on the edge of the box. So the question is, why don't they learn from it? A deeper question, why you would spend $46 million on an Oxlade-Chamberlain to add to an already overstuffed midfield and not a dime on the bat line or a true goalkeeper. It's a genuine Premier League mystery. Sky broadcaster and Liverpool legend Jamie Carragher said post-match that the problem under Brendan Rodgers was conceding goals. Yet four of that Liverpool five backline are still Brendan Rodgers signings two years on. Huh. And it is bonkers. I mean, Jurgen Klopp, I know you listen to this podcast. Yeah. Act fast by Lallis, by Balboa. Yeah. Sure up that bat line. Instant upgrade. Jeff Agus might be available. His agent's very hard to work with then. Yeah. He's a talent. He's one for the future. 31st minute, Klopp hooks Lovren, David. Klopp mm. hooks Lovren. Yeah. Humiliation, right? Being yanked. 31 minutes, yes. Even worse for his sense of self, being replaced by the ox. Off goes Lovren. And I worried for Spurs for a second because Lovren had been their best player for the first 30 minutes. <laughs> and I didn't know if they'd be able to keep up their tempo. They could. Yeah. Because that Liverpool bat line, it was. It was like a legendary jazz combo. Each musician taking a moment to grab the spotlight with a solo. Joel Matip gifted the slightly inconsistent Delhi a goal. And then Mignolet, oh, flapped to the cross. The hand spurs the fourth. Half of me thought Klopp was going to yank Mignolet and stick Lovren back on to play and goal. <laughs> I don't think that's legal. But you asked, you talked about Jose Mourinho, Davo. I wondered, as Spurs blasted four past this self-sabotaging Liverpool defence, what do you think Jose Mourinho was thinking? 
having elected to part the united bus against that brittle, feeble, self-harming defence. Was this a case of Spurs being magical or just Liverpool explosion? Well, I mean, look, and I think there is a huge difference between playing at home and playing on the road. You know, I got into a big conversation with a bunch of baseball fans, like unable to figure out why the Yankees couldn't play the same kind of baseball they play on the road in Houston that they played, you know, at home at Yankee Stadium. It's a, yeah, it's just a very, very different thing. So I think that you can throw all the criticism, and by the way, we're going to get to Mourinho and Man United and that performance at Huddersfield, but I think you can throw all the criticism Mourinho in the world, but like playing away from home, on the whole, when you're trying to mount a campaign, Rog, remember that word for a title, sometimes you've just got to come out with a point. Sometimes you've just got to go and play for a draw. Sometimes you've got to like play on the counter. Liverpool, whose main defensive strategy seems to be the Gagan press, the high press, that seems to be what they worry about. That seems to be what they work on. But when that's not working, and it's much harder to do on the road, and Wembley is a big Massive field, it's avoid. a big pitch. It's, it's a very, base. very hard place to go and uh, play that high press. They just got taken apart. And I just think it was a very naive way to go and play football there. Houston Astros, can I tell you, I love Alex Bregman. He's up there with Sid Luckman as one of my favourite mosaic persuasion athletes. But Spurs, <laughs> God, they were excellent. Harry Winks. Phenomenal in the midfield. Hugo Lloris, one of my favourite goalkeepers to watch in the game. How much has Harry Winks done for his reputation over the last seven days? Yeah, I mean, to say they're a Harry Kane team, there's two Harrys. Arguably, he's not even the best Harry. Harry Kane right now. Arguably. (laughs) Arguably, it would be a short argument. But Harry Winks has done a lot for his reputation. It would be the the kind of argument that that guy would have on Fox. What's his name? Skip Bayless. Yeah, not even the best Harry. Discuss. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, I will say near the end of the game Harry Kane overrated goal scoring overrated Harry Winks is really the heart of this yeah. team when Harry Kane fell to the turf with a cramp near the end of the game mm-hmm. I just realised when Harry Kane holds the back of his leg yeah. hundreds of thousands of Spurs fans happiness mm-hmm. hangs on the health of that hamstring that's mm-hmm. just like there inside of his leg mm-hmm. it's like the happiness of millions depends on that yeah. holding up they are no one man team but my god he's a single handed destroyer and Spurs, in this game, really announced themselves as serious challengers to Manchester City in this title race. Not United, a truth they can reinforce this weekend with a signature performance away at Old Trafford. The only real darkness for Tottenham fans right now, the kind of flickering rumours starting up about Real Madrid not just being interested in Harry Kane, but also in Pochettino, who's arguably the only human more key to Spurs' revitalization than Sir Harry of Kane. Narrative writers, well done, because after the United game this week, Spurs host Real Madrid in the Champions League. There's a nice way to look at this for Liverpool, is that this was a battle between two teams who are similar projects, trying to become powerhouse on a budget, with Pochettino having about 17 months longer to get the balance right than Klopp. But my God, with his team having conceded 16 goals in nine games, tide starting to turn a little bit, amongst Liverpool fans in regard to Klopp? I mean, it's interesting. I think they'll still hang in. We're only 9.38 of the way through the Premier League season. Ross, there is this just real temptation to overreact to individual games or a run of two games or a run of three games. The team were fantastic in midweek in the Champions League. Yes, they were playing against one of the smaller European teams in Maribor, but still, they were so impressive. You know, seemed to be unlucky gainers of only a point against Manchester United when I think when everybody was decrying Man United's performance, they didn't give Liverpool enough credit for that game. I thought Liverpool played very well. They pinned them back effectively. You know, it's tough. Liverpool fans so much want to believe in Jurgen Klopp, have believed in him for so long. It's like they've got to convince themselves that, you know, the religion they've been living under for the last few years just does not exist, that everything they believe was false. It's more than just changing your mind about a manager. It's like it's giving up your faith that's a very, very hard thing to oh, ask. Welcome to Tarikoism, Liverpool fans. There's always a home in this big tent. I will say if I was a Liverpool fan, I'd be looking at that Spurs team. I'd see the Harrys, the Canes, the Winks, the likes of youth they brought through, Delhi, Eric Dyer, who they brought in, in their teens. And then I'd look at the barren produce of Liverpool's own youth academy and realise that in a transfer market where they lack the financial muscle of City and United... Their youth academy and its dearth may be the element in which they truly lag behind Tottenham off the field as they did this day on it. Okay. Everton, Rog, two. It's not bad. Arsenal, 
five. Despite taking a 1-0 lead through a stunning Wayne Rooney goal, your best player by far, <laughs> Everton are put to the sword by an imperious Arsenal. Goals from Nacho Monreal, Mesut Ozil, remember him, Alexandra Lacazette, Aaron Ramsey and Alexis Sanchez leave Everton with eight points after nine games. Their worst start to a season since 2005 and lead club management to officially find manager Ronald Koeman. And now his watch has ended. Following a loss to Arsenal, one of the most fragile, emotionally scarred team. This was like watching a knife fight between Ralph Wiggum and Theon Greyjoy. And even without his cojones, Theon Greyjoy got this. Oh, look, I knew we were doomed, Dave. The second Everton opened the scoring. <laughs> Scored too early. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to do that to Arsenal. That's going to upset them. I mean, out of the blue, ball came to Rooney on the edge of the area. Oh, he put his head up. He smashed the ball home. I once had an old dog, my wife's family, called Thorgus. And even he was really old, an old, like, Labrador-y thing. Really old. And even when he was blind, infirm, unable to walk, to get up to do his business, he couldn't even do that. His hair was matted. Oh, poor guy. I know the feeling. If, <laughs> <laughs> if peanut butter was open within 50 feet of him, yeah. his, his nose would just twitch. Uh-huh. And he'd come alive. Even the day we took him to the vets to be put down, he'd bark until he was fed. Yeah. Wayne Rooney, with the ball at his feet near the goal, is just like Thorgus. He can't move. <laughs> He's covered in his own discharge. Yeah. But you open up that peanut butter, <laughs> an instinct, it just kicks in, and he hears a voice saying, pull back the bowstring, old archer. Yeah, he's always been a goal scorer, Rod. And you know what? As soon as he did what he does, Dave, yep. I knew we were doomed. Yeah, of course he did. GFOP at JM Veal reminded me of when I compared scoring an early goal to a fable of a medieval peasant finding a cursed ring, bringing it back to the village, only to be told to the elders, you have brought darkness upon our village. And that's what it was too early, David. I know, but not only too early, but there's a whole subcategory of Rooney scores too early, which is, of all of the players, it's like, think of the player on the opposing team who you least want to watch celebrate a goal against you, and it's Wayne Rooney. Of course, that is the worst possible player to go and score an early goal. A cursed Even World Cup Mesut Ozil, Rod, yeah. which was amazing. I mean, Ozil, Alexis, Lacazette, playing for the first time as a triad. The English media delighted in calling them the AOL front line. And they just proceeded to cut Everton's bat line apart will by having, you know, an idea of how to play football. Mm. Jordan Pickford battered. Even worse than when he played for Sunderland. This was borderline child abuse. Number of shots that rained on him. And when Arsenal equalised, David Nacho, Monreal, my seven-year-old Oz, he of the cast, yeah. with fire cumin written on it. And I like snacks. I like snacks. The second the ball went in, yeah. He just shouted at me. He said, I'm going to go and read. Oh, my word. Because they have to read. That's for, extreme. They have to read for 20 minutes a day. Uh-huh. He's seven. He knew. He knew already. He's watched Everton enough times in his two years as a sentient football fan to know exactly what kind of special heart singeing sadness was about to follow. I knew it too, but I couldn't move. He was smart enough to go and mow Willens it, David. But it was 1 1. It was halftime. I'd seen this movie so many times before. The only movie I've seen more is probably Barry Levinson's Diner. I started to pray, not in the face, not in the face to the old gods and the new, but it was just to no avail. Because second half, on the break, Arsenal (laughs) tore Everton apart. Manchester City's Alexis Sanchez set up Manchester United's Meza Ozil. That's just the pain talking, Rod. Few goals could be more out of contract. Uh For Ozil, God, he was good. Eight. Chances created. He played 4D chess. Such sad eyes. Against Everton. Oh, he does. The saddest eyes. Is he sadder than Pedro, though? Pedro does not seem to have got over the rejection of Barcelona. He just seems, even though he's at Chelsea, a powerhouse, he still seems suited. Pedro versus Ozil in a sad off. No, 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 no. Ozil is much sadder. Much sadder. Look at the delight with which Pedro runs away from his own goal and then circles <laughs> back and pops it in there. I love it. Oh, the denouement in this game. Happy feet three. Headless challenge by already yellow carded gay. Après moi, le deluge. Arsenal, 30 shots. They obliterated Everton. Everton on this day, worse than Justin Bieber's torso tattoo. As our old mate Arsblog tweeted me, your team is so bad you make Arsenal look good. 
She <laughs> 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 getting slated on Twitter by Arsblog. That's what it's come to, Rog. Oh, but it's, I mean, seventh loss in 11 matches. I'm getting used to it. By the final whistle, Kuman, who came as every bit the stern, powerful disciplinarian. He now looked unkempt and undone, like kind of like a Dutch Steve Bannon in his last days at the White House with that flaky skin. $200 million he'd spent to descend into the relegation zone. The hopes, the dreams that I had at the season's dawn have turned to ashes in my mouth. How do you look at the Cumin tenure, David? I mean, look, what did they finish last From season? High up there. Do you even notice us? Do you even know who we are? I mean, look, as I... My criticism of Everton, in fact, the worst thing I could say, because I don't really have anything not nice to say about Everton, just sort of neutral. We're irrelevant. They tend to be irrelevant, Everton. In the, you know, and this was the season where suddenly we thought, oh, spent all this money, bought in some good players. They could really be relevant. And they've been even more irrelevant <laughs> in their season of relevance than they have been in any of their seasons of irrelevance. You know, I don't know quite what's going to happen there. He wasn't the only one that brought in these players. Other people, Steve were, Walsh. other people were involved in bringing in these players. By the way, some of them are very good players. What has happened to Goofy? What has happened um, to Michael Keane? What has happened, you know, she, you can really ascribe no blame whatsoever to Jordan Pickford. I feel terrible for the young uh, keeper. But it's uh, some very, very good players are not performing uh, for this team right now. And I don't know what a new manager is going to go and do. I don't know who's out there. You hear some of the names being suggested, and it's a little scary, frankly. They have no plan right now. No plan. Yeah, I mean, I will say for Ronnie, the badly assembled slow squad, that is not his fault. But watching the team week in, week out, they've been a tactical mess. An ageing backline, no trust in youth from him like Baby Lookman. Lack of goals post-Lukaku, arguably excusable. But leaking four times against United, three times against Atalanta and Arsenal, two to pretty well everybody else. That's not. It's created a bitter fan culture in which fans try and punch opposing players whilst carrying a small child in their arms. A horrific sight. Awful. And we're now in the bottom three with only Bournemouth and Crystal Palace below us. Koeman, to me, has turned the club based on tenacity, endeavour, collectivity into a tactically inept one that has no identity apart from ineptitude and fear. And he leaves as a cautionary tale for anyone who makes it clear, like he did, that Everton's just a stepping stone. That's what he'd say, a stepping stone, right? Stepping. Stepping Stepping stone. When he piped dream mused aloud about future Barcelona employee, Mm. Everton is a hyper-local club with a true tradition, deep roots in the community. And you have to love or at least understand the club. Koeman made little attempt to do either. If you're going to be a mercenary like Cumin at Everton, you would better be a successful one. Also, I have to say, Rog, I do believe, I'm one of these people that does believe that tenacity and endeavour can be a little overrated, especially when you don't have speed. Because it's very hard. You can have all the tenacity speed. and endeavour in the world without speed. 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 There's nothing you can do whatsoever. Here's the million-dollar question. Yes. Where's my tension bed? Do-dum. 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 Who do you want to do? Do-dum. be manager? Do-dum. Roger? Do-dum. Do-dum. Oh, anyone but Bruce Arena? I, I, you want Bruce Arena? Oh, that would just about end 2017 for me right now if that mm-hmm. happened. Um, Sean Deitch of Burnley. Yeah. A change, been linked. But he want the job. Yeah, with the kind of transfer kitty that we're flinging around headlessly. Love it. Thomas Tuchel. Ex of Dortmund, mm-hmm. who's really waiting for the Arsenal job, but I yeah. imagine a, ca- a truckload of cash mm. might persuade him otherwise. Uh, look, David Unsworth has taken the job as an interim right now, and he's a Everton stalwart as a player, paid his dues with the youth team as a coach. He's Everton to his core. I'd love to see him get a go. If it works, that's phenomenal. If he fails, let's get through the season, write the whole season off, and then go hard for Marco Silva at the end of the campaign, or David Wagner, the prince that was promised. For now, I'll just say, I miss Chang. I want my elephants back. You do. You love Chang. You love Chang. It's all, it's all sport. Pence's fault. Yeah. Uh, another shocking result from the weekend, Rog. Huddersfield 2, Man United 1. Two first-half goals in a five-minute span from the Terriers see David Wagner's club claim their first win against Manchester United since March 1952. 
Uh, Rog? It's when we had a king. Still had hair. As GFOP at Brian Pina said, US soccer needs to take a page or a coach from Huddersfield. I love this game, David. I've been reading a lot recently about the Second World War's Winter War. Mm. Do you know about this? Which one are we talking about? On the Eastern Front. When Finland was invaded by Russia in 1939. Oh, awful. A massive coordinated all-out land, sea and air assault. And the Red Army had more than three times as many soldiers as the Finns, Mm. 30 times as many aircraft, 100 times as many tanks. But they were repelled by the Finnish irregulars who fought with bravery, guerrilla tactics and a real coherent plan. Small groups of men in white outfits and on skis. They just held them at bay. It was a remarkable attitude they had. Their joke at the time was, they are so many and our country is so small. Where shall we find room to bury them all? That is David Wagner's Huddersfield Town in this game, David. That's his vision. Yeah, it's his vision. How would you describe the odds going into this, really? Um, in American terms. You've got to really like underdogs to take Huddersfield in this one. You do. It's like the Frisco Rough Riders grinding away from double A and hosting the New York Yankees. But despite those odds, Huddersfield fearless. They, they may lack cutting edge. They hadn't scored in four matches, but they just match United's intensity and physicality from the off. Whereas United carried on where they left off against Liverpool with dour, will-sapping, unimaginative football. And when Aaron Moy spanked home Huddersfield's first goal past David De Gea, kick save that, you bastard. Wow. I just experienced feelings. And I think thousands of football fans, United fans aside, did. If you did not experience a jolt of joy when Huddersfield Town took the lead against mighty Manchester United, you can't be alive. Yeah, the only thing that didn't give me joy is it did remind me a little bit of the US versus Trinidad and Tobago. Is it felt like that slight superiority complex that the Man United fans almost felt like they didn't deserve to be there. The conditions were a little challenging. It was quite windy. Conquer-caffey Probably, not, probably a, bit, a bit conquer-caffey, a bit windy, a bit of weather uh, in Huddersfield. And the Man United players just didn't really look up for it. Yeah, I mean, they look like the opposite of a Mourinho team. Conceded twice in five minutes, having just conceded twice in 10 hours and 58 minutes. Thank you, Lindelof. They they look like the opposite of a Mourinho team that we know. Defensively brittle, impotent, both of which will drive Jose into a fury. But United without Fellaini. They're like Linus without a security blanket. It's amazing, isn't it? What is wrong with the United, David? Three shots on goal the entire game. Well, I think they're temp- they've got a little temporary problem. It's like one of those problems you've got to bang the side of the television set and give it a good kick and make it work again. Look, Man United are a very, very different team away from home than they are at home. They struggle away from home. And it m- probably has something to do with the way they're being briefed by their manager. Although, Jose Mourinho laid this clearly at the feet of his players after the game. Yeah, but you have to say the Mourinho scorched earth approach to winning the league by drawing against the big six teams and then winning against the little teams, that kind of only Backfired works. Backfired if you beat the little if teams. If you beat the little teams. Yep. I mean, after that Grinch that stole Christmas Liverpool game and then crawling past Benfica to stare defeat in the face against Huddersfield, that's when the grim means no longer justify the ends and things feel very, very, very bad after watching those just up and down the team, terrible performances for United fans. But what can you say about Huddersfield, David? Because to me, they were everything Everton were meant to be this season in this game but are not when Pochettino talks about Harry Kane he says he's run out of things to say about him but when I look at Wagner and what he's achieved I feel the same definitely he's done an amazing job he's adapting to the Premier League his first time in it brilliantly his players clearly respond to him they respond to the fans also they look fantastic in that kit my god that is a good looking kit you don't see many teams playing that sort of lighter shade of blue with the with the vertical stripes it's a great looking kit <laughs> Oh, that squad put together for a fraction of Paul Pogba's salary. And he's a man who believes he can eke out competitive advantage in recruitment, in training, tactics, club culture building. He learns from past errors unbelievably well. I mean, that recent home humbling against Tottenham Hotspur, the learning curve from that, he just oozes positivity, doesn't understand the idea of why not. He's the man I wish I was. And to watch this game, a euphoria-filled spectacle, was to watch less for me a football game, more a human experience of wonder, Premier League footballing life lesson, that the things that I love, that you tell me are not good about speed, but I still love them, tenacity, collective will, never ceasing to believe, it can lead to glory. And we watched an old Mark Twain aphorism lived out by the Terriers, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight. 
in the dog. Wisions to Wisions, Davey. More Wisions. Come on, Finland. Man City 3, Burnley nil. Rog, Pep City brush yet another opponent off their shoulder in clinical, efficient fashion. A Sergio Aguero penalty, his record tying 177th goal for the club. Nicolas Otamendi's header and Leroy Sané, uh, his strike. See City extend their lead at the top of the table to five points. A true foe, finally, for the Manchester City thrashing machine. Burnley's road warriors who top Chelsea and Everton and drawn with Liverpool and Tottenham away. Scoreline didn't really do Burnley justice. They were stubborn. They were organised. They ceded 78% possession, denying City the space they love to exploit, particularly either side of the goalpost. They love mining that little area. But their resistance broke with a penalty which the English commentator called a dive on Bernardo Silva. But to anyone who watched it, who was not footballingly xenophobic, it was the goalkeeper trapping Silva's foot under his knee. Q Aguero stepping up to tie the all-time scoring record. Burnley did have their moments. Edison, another clean sheet for him. He was courageous when called upon, flinging himself at the surging Chris Wood's feet, which is like flinging yourself under the wheels of a runaway wardrobe running downhill towards you. And Burnley Twitter possibly had their finest moment of the game when they tweeted in the 83rd minute, Pope saves from Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Amen to that, they wrote. That was their finest moment. And Man City go five points clear at the top of the table, Davo, as the English media begin to ask themselves, could this be an undefeated season? Season, season. Seems a little early to ask that question, 9.38 of the way in. But we haven't really seen a, other than that, game against Everton early on where they got the players sent off and ended in time. They haven't had a wobble all season, uh, Rog. They've been so comprehensively great against everyone. They look like champions to me, but I also know that it's a long season and at some point they're going to be asked a question. They have not been asked that question yet. They do play the most glorious football I've seen since Arsenal in that invincible 2003-04 season. But this December... City play United, then Spurs within a week. Let's talk then. Do you know, they play FIFA football, Rog. I introduced my son George to FIFA this weekend. He'd never played FIFA before. <sighs> and he's, he's, he's so into it now. He's obsessed with FIFA. You've lost him. I've lost That's him to FIFA. That's he's fine. So I'm okay with that. And when you go up a level and you play against the computer at that new level, you go from beginner, yeah. then you go to amateur, then you go to the next level, and you go up a level... Man City play like the team who are one level up of the of the level that you're able to really play. They play, they just knock the ball around with such speed. They find positions, they find your weakness, they take the ball off you. You never seem to have enough time. Amazing to watch, if a little clinical. Swansea 1, Leicester City 2. The Foxes earn just their second league win of the season, days after sacking manager Craig Shakespeare. Caretaker, he's available, Rog. Caretaker <laughs> Mike Appleton's men we'll scoop the points, the courtesy of a Federico Fernandez own goal and one from Shinji Okazaki. Since the start of 2015-16, Swansea have scored 11 own goals in the wow. Premier League, more than twice as Without many. Gary Cahill. I was going to say they are truly a team of Gary Cahill's. Yeah, Southampton 1, West Brom 0. An 85th minute goal reminiscent of some of the great mazy runs of yore from French born Moroccan substitute Sofiane Bouffal sees Southampton move up to 10th. The news for TP and Co. Not as good. Yeah, Tony Poulis has just won two of his last 18 games with West Brom. Next up, two superpowers Manchester City at home, their mighty micro power, Huddersfield Town. First men, Terriers of the Great Grass Sea, breaker of chains. Newcastle won, Crystal Palace nil, Rog, order restored at Palace one week after defeating <laughs> Chelsea crap again. to end the worst start to a season in English Football League history. They fall to the tune, an 86-minute header from Navarran super sub Mikel Marino moves Rafa's men up to sixth place, Rog. Stoke City won, Bournemouth two, two goals in 133 seconds from Andrew Sermon and Junior Stanislas see the Cherries get a much-needed win. And West Ham nil. Brighton 3, a Friday night beating from a newly promoted side, sees the Flames start to lick Slavin Bilic's feet yet again. The it. Hammers, one of four... T- he looks like a man would like he it. He does like the it. The Hammers, one of four teams on eight points. The Seagulls, meanwhile, are up to 12th place. And finally, Rod, Chelsea 4, Watford 2. After looking like they were heading for their second consecutive defeat, Antonio Conte's men storm back from 2-1 down to win. The difference... The much maligned bats, Rog. He came on for Alvaro Morata in the 61st minute to score twice 
to end Chelsea's three-game winless <sighs> run in all competitions and move them back future. into the top four. David, in the food chain, yeah. a Chelsea beats a Watford. Yeah. Like a Transvaal Lion snacks on burr goats. Uh-huh. Chelsea, they are an apex predator. Do we agree? But here, it looked for long stretches like the burr goat might win. What happened? Can I say that? Watford are quite good at football. Can I say that? Watford are a very, very good team and we should not underestimate them and what they're doing under their sexy, sexy manager, Rog. They're very, very they're good so team. Good. I mean, I've, by the way, I've got London cousins. We never talked about them. Yeah. They're Watford fans. Really? Season ticket holders. Do they live in London? Yeah. Well, wow. they live in like the Watford area. Yeah. Which is kind Watford. of... Would you call that Greater London? No, I'd call that Watford. Is that another city to you? Yeah, Watford's it, it's like north. the north. Does it yeah. feel like it's north? Sky's closer <laughs> to the ground. <laughs> oh, that, I've spent many happy hours at Vicarage Road when I was younger. Many the, happy hours? I went twice. Yeah, okay. I <laughs> <laughs> sat in the figure Panini family stand. It was yeah. awesome. They went purely to have father-son bonding. Winning was never really the point of any of it. But under Marco Silva... Watford suddenly, they do have a clear idea of how they want to play. They don't just hold on and try not to get beat too bad, which was always their Premier League way. They're fast, they're athletic, they're hungry. They've got the extravagantly wasteful Rich Arlison and Troy Deeney, who personally oversees Cajunes checks of the Chelsea bat line. Troy Deeney. Bend over and cough, David LOLs. And they ask questions. They took the lead. They could have finished you off if Brazilian Wando Rich Arlison had had a couple of howlers. Process the Chelsea side of the equation. Uh, look, I mean, in some ways, I look at this Chelsea side and, you know, just in my pre-season prediction that Chelsea would finish sixth, I think I'm sort of right on. They seem a little bit like a pre-Mourinho Chelsea. They remind me of 2002-2003 Chelsea. Chelsea under Claudio Ranieri, Rod. They, they score a lot of goals. They concede a lot of goals. You never quite know what you're going to get. They're entertaining. They're somewhat likeable. They're fancy. They play some good football, uh, but they they commit some absolutely atrocious defensive errors. This is a team playing without N'Golo Kante. I should say that it is more than arguable that N'Golo Kante has been the best player in the Premier League for the last two seasons. This team without N'Golo Kante, with Bakayoko still, it seems, trying to learn uh, the Premier League game, they're just not quite the same, Rod. And for long stretches of this game, I have to remind you, all the Chelsea talk became about the end of the Conte era. Hello, Goose Hitting, part 17. Was it that drastic? It was Conte's changes from the bench that did change the game. Willian replacing Marcus Alonso, switched to the back four, bats on. There is no need to be afraid. When you got bats on your team. Yeah, I mean, look, there's no way to apply logic. I think the one thing we've learned about Chelsea for the last, you know, in the Roman Abramovich era is it's quite hard to apply logic to the management decisions uh, that have been made. And yet those management decisions have led to an unprecedented run in the club's history and certainly the best record in English football over the last 14 seasons. So it's very possible that they fire, that Chelsea could win their next game uh, 4-0, that they could go through the holiday season undefeated, they could look really good going into the Champions League knockout stages (laughs) and Abramovich could like publicly fire him after having him flogged in the centre circle. Like nothing would surprise me. Yes, please. Nothing would surprise me uh, about, about Chelsea. But I do think he adjusted well. I think the players bounce back. Yes, I know it's very the fashionable to say. The that Watford, they decried them for not having. Yes, that Watford deserved, really deserved to get more out of this game. They would have had to have scored five to win the game. They would have had to have scored four. They still allowed Chelsea to go and score four goals. And this is where this Chelsea team, I don't think their season is completely over. I still think, well, I think they'll win some things or contend to win some things this season. Is Chelsea have so many players who can hurt you, who can score. That system gets their defenders so far up front, you know, Dave scores a goal off his uh, shoulder. I mean, head. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's a, like, he's like in this on the end of the six yard box. I mean, it's amazing to see his position for that header is like crazy. And so Chelsea are going to be a fun team to go and watch. They're, they're so unpredictable. I mean, this is it. Chelsea take a year on yeah. and a year off. I thought this was their year off and I was going to put a huge amount of money on them winning the title next year. Yeah. But then they came with the value we said last week they didn't have, the bounce-back ability. God, but bats. it was a different form of bounce-back ability. This was a reckless bounce-back ability. It's like, we're going to go and play high-scoring, sexy exhibition Without football. Without a safety net. This was like the NASL, Rog. This was like watching the Cosmos in the North American Soccer League. In the 19- 1970s. Yeah. Oh, I will say about bats, 
He is the best closing pitcher in the Premier League. He comes on, gets the last three outs, never make him start. Oh, bats to the future. I think about Conte. Loved watching him jump into the crowd. Just that hard as hell Chelsea fan base. As soon as Conte jumps into the crowd, the look of fear on grown men's faces as this true pillager Johnny jumps into the Yeah, he's amazing. But we've talked a lot about this in the past. Chicago Bears' Doug Plank talking to the writer Rich Cohen about there being three kinds of coaches. The aspirin coach, the players coach, the penicillin coach who's a real leader, and the chemo coach who just comes in, blasts everything, and just whips everyone. Super Bowl twenty winning Mike Ditka, a chemo coach. Antonio Conte, a chemo coach. But a chemo coach only knows full blast. The players tune him out. And you see this Chelsea, injuries, lack of depth and creativity, rumours that the players are fed up with Conte's intense training session, which they think are grinding them down and exacerbating the injuries. I think there's more to come on this story. But for this game, Davo, to watch Chelsea fans just roll through all the emotions, joy, vulnerability, fear, dread, let's end it all, and then hope back to glory. To me, that is the wonder of the drama of football. And talk about the drama of football. It's great what the next Chelsea game is. The Carabao Blazerico. Oh, my word. Yes, tomorrow, Rod, they play against uh, Everton Football Club. True it's crap. going to be a big one. Yeah, going to watch it with you and two Carabaos, whenever they are. A great two week. steaming hot Carabaos. A great week. I'll sort your stomach parasite yeah, out, David. I don't know what that is. A great week for the Point Break-inspired Johnny Utah 26, who've kept faith in Alexis Sanchez and Mesut Ozil, the Arsenal duo, led uh, him, Johnny Utah, 26, to first place in our Togger uh, league and earned him a custom MIB fantasy patch. If you're not already in our league, you can still sign up. There are weekly prizes. Just go to meninblazers.com. In MLS, Rog. The MLS it's playoff getting hot in here. <laughs> is now set after an exciting decision day that saw San Jose claim the final playoff spot in the West. DC Word up, United. one though. Say goodbye to RFK and Atlanta United blow the roof off Mercedes-Benz yet again. God, did they ever, David? They broke the MLS single-game attendance record. Amazing. A crowd of 71,874 Crazy. in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. They are like an American Tottenham. Their average attendance of 48,200 also broke the Cosmos US record for average attendance for an entire season. Yeah. The Cosmos, of course, had Pele, yeah. Atlanta United, have Bradley Edwin Guzan. Yeah, it's amazing. We don't need to Crowd's talk about it, Rod, because the mainstream sports media just can't stop talking about this phenomenon. The MSM. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Oh, it is an amazing achievement by everyone in that organization. And I'd say listen to a pod special we put out last week with the president, Darren Eels. Mm. It is amazing, despite the fact that I'm in it. He explains step by step how he went from one employee to 70,000 plus fans in just over two and a half years. It is a remarkable American footballing achievement when this country really cries out for one. Amazing. Atlanta will host its first ever playoff game this Thursday night when the Columbus Crew, Rog, come to town. That game is at 7 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN2. The hey, Deuce. Hey, takes no prisoners. The U.S. men's national team have a soccer manager, or at least a temporary one, Rog. Longtime Bruce Arena lieutenant. Dave Sarikan for the big game. No one cares about against Portugal in November. He's just a placeholder <laughs> while Sunil negotiates with Bora Militinovic. <laughs> yeah. But now we focus on the US soccer presidential election. Finally, something in soccer that an American is probably going to win. <laughs> yeah, well, one would hope. This weekend, Dave, yeah. two presidential candidates, mm. Steve Gans yeah. and the mighty Eric Winalda, stated their respective cases at the National Council of the U.S. Adult Soccer Association. Sunil Galati attended but declined to speak at the session. He sat there and listened, but he didn't want to participate. I hear that sweater vests are on uh, Winalda's platform. I oh, hope so, David. It's exactly time. the kind of chip. Forget play-to-play. Yeah. Play. yeah, sweater, sweater vests. vests. SV, it's the yeah. future. Um, Sunil had spoken earlier in the day in a smaller a set of panels. I I'll say I do expect the field of candidates to grow in the next three weeks. I've got a feeling... The X kind of player pool, they will throw up a candidate to post a real challenge. There's no doubt Sunil's going to run. I think he's hoping stasis, apathy, general fear of change will allow him to hold on to the post. 
and I'll say this, that there's a real chance... That's that... his nickname, General Fear of Change, isn't it? <laughs> That's the famous four-star general. General Fear of Change. We're going to get a call about that. There's a real change he's going to cling on. Cling on? Cling on. He's going to cling on. He is going to cling on. I mean, there's a real ch- chance he's going to... Apathy means he can cling on. I just believe if he does, it sends a symbolic message to every footballer, male or female, at every level of the game that American soccer tolerates failure and there's no accountability or repercussions for that failure, which to me, it's just a fast track to mediocrity. Sunil, by the way, Dave, he's got massive jobs ahead. The 2026 World Cup, that to me is a massive role. Is there a need for him to cling on to every major role in American soccer? US soccer president leader of the 2026 World Cup bid, FIFA representative mm. for this region. Sideline reporter at MLS Cup. <laughs> we got, if we're going to be big time in America, we've got to develop a bigger bench. And in terms of the presidential run, we are serious when we say this. Men in blazers, you produce the... Presidential the, debates. You well, produce, Embassy Row are the production company who supply the production services uh, to the uh, CPB. So we would be happy to host a debate... The debates, the debates, there should be presidential debates. You can be Chris Wallace. I'll be Martha Radatz. Yeah, I think Americans probably should be involved in the presidential debates, Roger. I'd love to have Men in Blazers somehow involved. I'm going to be think... an American by then, mate. <sighs> Roger, you're not good at paperwork. I hate to break <laughs> it to you. I'm sure you've not filled it out Same correctly. Same clues. That US sucker presidential Game of Thrones is one of the few things US fans have to look forward to after the baby gnats, Rog, lost... <sighs> 4-1 to a very good, it must be said, baby England side in the quarterfinals in India. Despite a Josh Sargent goal, the He's young fantastic. Lions, Rog, now set to take on Brazil in the semis. Positives in that. Andrew Carlton, also fantastic on the flanks. Uh, your weekend looks like this. It starts at 7.30am Eastern Time Saturday with Man United versus Tottenham. <sighs> then at 10am, it's the sky blue half of Manchester travelling to Tony Pulis's trailer park to take on West Bromwich Albion. Sunday at 9.30am Eastern Time, it's a South Coast clash as Brighton and Hove Albion host Southampton. All of those games on NBCSN. And Sunday on ESPN, it's the first leg of the MLS Western Conference semi-finals. Rog. TT. Yes, we will see. There are many other ways to connect to us, including our now extinct Amazon Emporium, which used to keep the show going. Since Amazon (laughs) has done away with the partner program, we're just talking about the crap we like and posting links to them on our website, meninblazers.com. We no longer get a tiny percentage that allows us to cover the cost of creating the show. As such, we're looking for a new name for the Faux Emporium, and we are taking GFOP suggestions. Please email us with any suggestions or submit via social using the hashtag MIB. Faux Emporium. That's Faux, F-A-U-X. <laughs> what are you putting in the Emporium, Roger? A book. Yeah. Uh, to get myself in the mood, to get ready for 2008 Russia World Cup. This week, I read The Diary of a Gulag Prison Guard by Ivan Chistakov. Oh, Roger. Hey, another book I picked up on my return to England. It's the personal diary oh. of a cultured urban individual who in the 1930s was compelled by the system to command a small detachment of armed interior ministry troops deep in the Siberian tundra. And in that role, he's both kind of perpetrator and victim. A bit like me. He's a human cog in an inhuman machine, very much like me. And he's repulsed by the system that he's... God, this is really my diary, isn't it? He's forced <laughs> it to operate inside. He's fully aware that he's going to be swallowed up and killed by it. I'll spoil it. He is in the end. Um, this is not a read for everyone, I want to say. <laughs> 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 but if you're interested in the banality of evil, my other podcast, yeah, it's a haunting read about life, loneliness, and, and human motivation, and it, it it made me feel better about my lot as an Evertonian and a US fan reading it. I can tell you that, Dave. I'm just gonna put in the brand of ginger ale I've been drinking through this podcast. It's got you barely me made it. I'll you? tell you, Guinness Guinness is the cure for everything. I do believe, but today without the ginger ale. Uh, from uh, a great country north of here, I just would not have, uh, a not wet country north of here, I would not have made it through this podcast. So thank you to the people. Is it actually made in Canada? Country north of here. Well, it's got their name on it. That'd be a shame if it wasn't. Does it say I always thought it was like French fries. Yeah, maybe. 
You have no idea where it's made. Anyway, we've got to uh, renegotiate thank, that NAFTA thing. Thank, thank Tariko for uh, for that drink that helped me make it through the podcast. I'm putting it in what's left of the Emporium. Oh, God uh, bless you, mate. You can follow us on Twitter at Men in Blazers, at Embassy Davies, at Rog Bennett, on Instagram at Men in Blazers, at Embassy underscore Davies, on Facebook, Men in Blazers. You can always send your ravens to the crap part of Soho. You can always email us at meninblazers at gmail.com. Vendorpunk, Rog. War pig. Who wants to sex my dumbo? I like snacks. Balls win, balls win. Take that, Gloria. Uh, balls lose. To tweed. Abrogado, rock on, mate. Kung fu fight in America. Love you, Davey. I'm going to puke. I love you, Roger. Oh, your tummy feels better, love. Bless. <laughs>